Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon is from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. So, we have been in the amazing series of Colossians, four chapters. It's a letter of Paul. Um, If you've missed Francis and Nadine's messages from the last two weeks, please do check it out on the website like Jared showed earlier. It really is great to keep up when we are doing a series on a book in the Bible. Today we'll be looking at Jesus, our rescuer. Colossians 1 verse 13 to 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The message version says, God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son he loves so much, the Son who got us out of the pit we were in and got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Darkness, dark alleys, dark dungeons, and the pit that we were doomed to be in. Sounds pretty dark. (laughs) I do think it can be very difficult to see Jesus as our rescuer. Obviously, if we're drowning, yes, we need a rescuer. If we're stuck in a cave, or kidnapped, or trafficked. Yes, we need a rescuer. Maybe when we're stuck in an abusive relationship, it would be great to be rescued. Or from an abusive boss or or parent, we can see that we need rescuing. It would be great to be uh, rescued out of the pit of addiction. It would be really great if someone can rescue us from joblessness or a really bad business season, we can see in these circumstances that we need rescuing. If someone can just rescue our child from a debilitating disease or even ourselves from illness, COVID, we would love to be rescued from this pandemic. India, Brazil, I can imagine that the people in those countries currently are longing to be rescued from this. So yes, we can see that we need rescuing from these circumstances, but when life seems fine, do we really know that we still need rescuing? In the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned, and they went into Operation Fig Leaf. (laughs) Casually cover up your sin and pretend there is no problem. Remember those pictures you saw in your Bible, in your children's Bible, Operation Fig Leaf. But as long as we cover up our sin, there cannot be forgiveness. There's a couple of examples in the Gospels of people who didn't know they needed rescuing until they met Jesus. Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, the 12 disciples, obviously many, many more. 
So this term, the connect groups, are actually looking at encounters with Jesus. And two of these encounters are indeed women at the well and Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So get connected and learn more. To be forgiven by God, we must see our desperate condition and lay hold of God's only solution. Our desperate condition is that if we are not in the kingdom of God's beloved son, we are under the authority or domain of darkness, helpless to rescue ourselves. God's only solution involves redemption, the forgiveness of sins, which we obtain through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only solution. So let's look at Luke 19 from verse one to 10. These are one of the stories of people who didn't know they need rescuing. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I know that struggle. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree, another fig operation, a fig tree, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus knew he was despised, but it didn't matter. He was wealthy. Couldn't do anything about his shortness, but he was wealthy. But he obviously had heard rumors about Jesus and wanted to have a closer look, wanted to see this man for himself, to see if the stories ring true. And it changed his life forever. Yes, Jesus came to rescue sinners. That is God's only solution. Even the people that look down on Zacchaeus as a sinner are the same people that equally needed rescuing. The woman at the well was a Samaritan woman. Jews don't mix with Samaritans. Yet, Jesus spoke, nope, spoke. (laughs) Jesus spoke to a Samaritan And she was a woman. Yeah, shocking. John 4, verse 1 to 42 gives us the full account, and I'll be reading most of the verses. So from verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew 
and I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give then will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, so far, Jesus has ministered to Zacchaeus, a tax collector, and a Samaritan woman. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So just verse 21 where he says woman, in uh, John 2, uh, or John, John 2, Jesus also calls his mother woman, and it says that it has no negative implication. It's not a disrespectful woman. It's not like that. So don't listen to it like that. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true Worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman, but no one asked what do you want or why are you talking with her. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony of, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. There is obviously a lot of takeaways in the scripture, but we're going to look at a few. This woman was living in sin. 
five husbands and the sixth man she is not married to. And so much so that her fellow Samaritans looked down on her, which is why she had to draw water midday, because no one drew, draws water midday. But she probably fig-leafed the situation and carried on with life, just adjust to, to what sin is causing, with people looking down on you, you just go to the well midday, it's, it's all good. A rabbi-looking man spoke to her, showed her grace, and instantly there was a conviction, forgiveness of all her sins and redemption. And she shared that with others the same people who looked down on her. By the time since she met Jesus, she didn't even care that the people probably didn't speak to her or looked her way because people had to know who this man was. Her rescue caused the rescue of many others. The redemption of the same people who looked down on her sin needed the same rescuing from sin. When Jesus has rescued us, it only makes sense that the world should know about it. The disciples. Matthew 4, verse 18 to 22 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In John 1, Philip follows Jesus and then encourages Nathaniel to also come and see for himself the Messiah the Messiah that Moses spoke about. It's quite an interesting story because Jesus saw him under a tree and was like, oh, you only believe me because you saw, I saw you <laughs> or I told you what you did. And yeah, but Nathaniel saw for himself. He had to see for himself. He's one of those people who had to see for themselves that this Jesus is real. Obviously, in those days, one would follow a stranger. Today, not so much. But seriously, there must have been something very different about Jesus to move them to follow him, to leave everything behind, even their dad in the boat, and go, sorry, dad, check you later. We're following that guy. And it changed their lives forever. We need rescuing from our sinful lives, lives. See, we don't really know we need rescuing until we meet Jesus. You know that friend or family member that just don't get you and your God stuff? Well, they haven't met Jesus yet. They can't see the need for rescuing yet. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 reminds us, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But there is hope in and because of Jesus. I once was blind, 
but now I see. What a wonderful privilege to be rescued. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Fact is, we've been rescued. We've been rescued. We needed rescuing. We've been rescued. It kept making me think of, of being on the Titanic, the unsinkable sinking ship. We need rescuing, because I think daily as humans, we are sinking. We've been brought into the kingdom of Jesus. The kingdom of God is, in essence, God's redemptive reign. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. God's kingdom is very important to Jesus, and Jesus inaugurates the kingdom. Jesus declares the kingdom in Luke 8, verse 1 to 2. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, the good news can also be seen in Matthew 5, from verse 3 to 12 in the Beatitudes. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Johanna, the wife of Scusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus declares the kingdom through parables that illustrate what it was and how it worked. Today, we can still read about the kingdom in God's word. And maybe you can't really relate to the kingdom because we do not have a king. We have a Zulu king in KZN, but we are not under the authority of a king necessarily in our country. We don't have that royal reign. So maybe think of Jesus as our president. If, that, if you relate to that better, think of it that way. But it's a good presidency, it's a good government. There is good governing happening for our good. As you can see, this good news, this kingdom is very different. The kingdom includes the sinner, the sinner, which is actually all of us. And it definitely includes women. Any religion that excludes women is not from Jesus. The kingdom is different to how the world operates. This kingdom has different values. In John 18, Jesus tells us his kingdom is not of this world. Jesus transforms the kingdom, showing it is holistic in its nature redemptive in its mission and cosmic in its scope. It cost Jesus everything to purchase this kingdom and we get to be in it. Jesus proves himself the rightful ruler of the restored kingdom or the government. It's a restored government that we get, that we've been rescued into We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
Actually, Colossians 1 verse 12, which is just before the scripture we are looking at today, says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We get to be in the kingdom of light. But how often do we live rescued and like Jesus? Over December, I got a wonderful gift from Michael. It's a book called Almost French. If you know me, I love France, and it's wonderful. And I've been learning French, but it's, yeah, je ne peux pas. <laughs> it's about a South African chef and a South African artist that goes to the French countryside of France, and they buy a chateau. And they turn this chateau into a guest house. Now, apparently, the South Africans love going because it's a little bit of French, a little bit of South Africa. The thing is, they lived there for long and made lots of French friends, learned the language, looked the part, spoke the part. The reason the book is called Almost French is because no matter how hard you try, you're just not French. And the French like to remind you of that. It's in their book, I'm not making it up. That's what they experienced. They keep offending their fellow French countrymen. It's just what you do, you are just not French, no matter how hard you'll try. But this kingdom is different. Jesus gives us hope. We are adopted and accepted and we do get to look and live like him in the kingdom of light. Imagine the kingdom is France. It is beautiful, great food. We want to be part of that, but we want to look the part and we want to sound the part. And we get to because of Jesus. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you, this, one of Jesus' disciples, the one that always put his foot in his mouth, the one who denied that he knew him, the disciples that ran away, this is that Peter that knows this kingdom, and he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That same Peter was redeemed. He was the one who walked on water, then denied Jesus. It is that Peter that reminds us that we have been called into Jesus's wonderful light. We cannot do this without Jesus. We cannot. So now you're thinking, cool, Yolandi, you went from, are we drowning, aren't we drowning? It's all good. We've been rescued. It's wonderful. Once and for all, why is Jesus still my rescuer? Well, newsflash. Jesus rescued us from darkness once and for all, but let's face it, as long as we are on this earth, we need rescuing daily. Jesus rescue us, rescues us from our defaults, our insecurities, our fears. Do you think I'm standing up here because I'm super confident in preaching? No. But we face our fears because of Jesus. Our unforgiving natures, we need rescuing from that. We need rescuing from our flawed characteristics 
and bumpy personalities. We need rescuing from our thoughts and less than tasteful ways we treat others. Daily, we need rescuing from our human natures. We need rescuing when we hurt. In this endurance, we need rescuing daily. In the season of endurance, even when things don't work out the way we prayed, we need rescuing. And even when we don't get rescued the way we hope to, we continue to need rescuing. Jesus is still our one and only rescuer. And friends, we cannot wake up tomorrow and think that we're fine and life's fine. And yes, there's struggles and funny circumstances. We need rescuing. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you need rescuing from your actions. <laughs> when work is tough, you need rescuing. When your illness is not working or going the way it should, when you've been trusting, you continue to need rescuing. We continue to re need rescuing from the way we think or look at people, the way we think we're not the sinners, they are the sinners. We need rescuing from that because we are still on this earth and we are not perfect. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus did it all. But we need to remember that we need him and that we need rescuing. If the band can please come up. And I ask the rest of us to stand. I want to ask us a couple of questions. When last did we need a rescuer? You can close your eyes to help you focus on the question and to think about what's being said and just to have your moment with the Lord. When last did you need a rescuer? When last did you see Jesus as your rescuer? In preparing for this, I felt that God wanted us to repent when we forget to see Jesus as our rescuer, when we forget to put on our life jacket, not just one little arm floaty, but we need the full life jacket. We need full rescuing. So tomorrow morning, let's put on our life jackets. So we need to do that business with the Lord this morning. And secondly, think of those people. This, Francis even did this in the prayer meeting this morning, which was amazing. Those people, the family members, friends, colleagues, let's stand proxy for someone who does, doesn't know Jesus as rescuer yet. But they've crossed our paths. We get to to pray for them this morning. We get to stand in for them this morning to lift them up to the Lord, that they may see Jesus for themselves. And if God wants to use us, may God 
remove our bumps and <laughs> our bumpy personalities and help us shine his light well in the business place, in our families. So, Father, thank you that we can come before you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our rescuer. Thank you, Lord, that this is your one and only plan. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be with you in your kingdom and your kingdom of light. Thank you, Father, that you did not leave us orphans. We are well accepted into this kingdom. We get to speak the language. We get to look the part, Jesus, because of you and you in and through us. So, Father, forgive us for forgetting that we need you daily, that we need your rescuing. Thank you, Jesus, that you have rescued us out of darkness once and for all. Thank you that you saved us. But, Father, may we be a, help us be a good example to those around us that don't know you yet, that don't know that they need you, Lord, that are fig-leafing their situations and their sin, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, that you called us to so much more. You called us to freedom. You called us to the light. You call us to good thoughts and, and, and good behavior around us, Lord. Slow to anger, Jesus. That is what you call us to. But with your help, Lord. So, Father, as we stand before you, Jesus, we, we lift those that we can think of right now, our friends, our family, our colleagues, that don't know that they need your rescuing yet, Lord. We lift them up to you, Father, and we pray that those scales will fall off the, the eyes of their hearts and their actual eyes, Father, to see their desperate situation and to know that they need rescuing. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our rescuer. Thank you that we get to be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.